Pastor Troy, uh, just so you guys know, Pastor Troy is sick, <coughs> so am I, but he has bronchitis, and that uh, outweighs a cough, and so I'm here this morning, so you're going <coughs> to have to deal <coughs> with this this morning, but uh, I don't know what's, what's up with everyone this morning, but everyone's been commenting on my drink, saying, why you have a, such a fluffy, flowery drink from Starbucks, Brian? You need a man's drink. This is a man's drink. This is a drink of a man who is confident in his manness. Um, it's a berry hibiscus. It's delicious. You guys should get it. <coughs> but if you guys... <coughs> excuse me. Mm. Oh, so good. There it is. If you guys could be joining uh, me and the staff in praying for Pastor Troy and that he would get better. If you know anything about Pastor Troy, when he gets something, he goes down really hard, really fast, and it has him for a long time. So... Uh, please help us join in prayer uh, together as a family around him. Um, but next week, just so you guys know, uh, Pastor Troy is going to be starting a new message series we're super excited about that's going to be leading into Easter, and you guys aren't going to want to miss this. <coughs> Trin, if I could get a small table uh, to put my drink on so I don't have to lean over, I'm getting old, and uh, one of these days I'm going to lean over and I ain't going to be able to get back up. So... <coughs> um, <coughs> this week, um, they have graciously given me... <coughs> an hour to, to cough and talk in front of you guys. <coughs> so prepare yourself for a party, New Life Church. Pastor Troy, thanks so much. I'm sure you're enjoying the comfort of your home, coughing your heart out with no one else to judge you. But uh, I, uh, I got this. Please, Jesus, heal me. Um, <coughs> otherwise, I got some good points to say, and nothing's going to stick because you guys are going to be so caught up in the cough. I'm going to be given an altar call, and someone would have got saved if I wouldn't have coughed, but that's just where we are this morning. But this morning, uh, I want to talk to you guys about a concept that God gave me a few months ago um, uh, called Me to We to Me. Um, <coughs> and I know this title sounds weird. When you hear Me to We to Me, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You've lost your mind. Um, but let me explain what it means. I believe <coughs> that one of the biggest issues that I think every generation has faced, um, whether uh, you're old or young, I think every generation has faced this. It's, it's identity, who we are. Every generation has struggled with figuring out who they are on, in this world. And I think most of the time when someone is asked who they are, beyond the obvious answer of <coughs> your name, most people are going to talk about their job. That's kind of what we associate with who we are. Um, <coughs> kind of like uh, this guy in this video. I want want to see, hopefully none of you guys have this job, because this would be a, pardon the pun, a pretty today. crappy job. You get a little taste, so to speak, of what it's like to be a septic tank technician. Uh, how big is the average septic tank? About a thousand gallons. And how often are they uh, emptied? Uh, the state requires a minimum of every three years. Is it just toilet stuff, or is it refuse? It's everything? Well, ideally, it, if you didn't need it, you shouldn't flush it. But there's a lot of non-biodegradable materials that go in that makes our jobs less ideal. You know what else I like less? It's, uh, it's nice and warm today and humid. Mm -hmm. It's a good day for It enhances the aroma. It's a fairly simple procedure that takes a lot of hose and a strong stomach. Oh. God. Ah. Les, that's not good. This is a pretty one. Pretty? That's Looks just the way it's supposed to. Looks like there's good bacterial growth in there. That's good growth? It smells like it's operating. Oh, God. 
How deep is that? Uh, about four feet deep. Uh-huh. So we're going to literally pull how many gallons out of here? A thousand. This is a thousand gallon tank here. A thousand gallons of septic sludge pumped through 200 feet of interconnected hose. A turd hurdler. You know you're doing it right when you feel that rocking sound. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting the way the fluid just flies right out of the top there. And this is just to what? Keep the flow? Uh, keep things agitated so you're doing a better job of cleaning. There's a heavy layer of sludge on the bottom oh. that you want to get suspended. Yeah, you've got to suspend the sludge. Well, a little piece of something just flew right by my ear. And you have to remember to keep your mouth closed when yeah, you're Yeah, I know. <coughs> oh, my goodness. How many of you guys would just love to have that job? Anyone? Didn't think so, right? Yeah, especially with things flying past your mouth. Oh, my goodness. That is just uh, this is the God bless the people who choose to have that job. Amen? I mean, we can't. America wouldn't. Uh, wouldn't be here without those type of people, right? The people get down and dirty with their jobs. But in our culture, this would be this guy's identity, his job. You know, my name's Bobby, and I clean up things that are unspeakable, right? Um, I, think, I don't think the Bible was talking about when it said that unspeakable and full of glory. I think that's something else entirely. But I think it's pretty normal in our culture to equate who we are with what we do. But there has to be more, because if we don't enjoy what we do, then all of a sudden we find ourselves in an identity crisis, because we've equated what we do with who we are. So this whole me to we to me concept that I believe God gave me is that we need to move from our identifying ourselves as my name is so-and-so and I do this or that, to identifying from the innermost part of our being that we are a part of the church of Christ, that we aren't just individuals roaming this planet with no purpose, but we are a part of a group that is much larger than ourselves. And from that point, we take that identity of being a part of the church of Jesus Christ, and we find our individual identity of where we individually fit into the body of Christ. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you guys to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. It's also going to be up on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible, but I'm going to be reading out of mine. <coughs> I'm reading out of the NIV. It's also the NIV on the screen, um, but there are a couple different versions of the NIV, so uh, if the words are a little bit different on the screen, that's all right. It's probably just uh, a little bit more updated version than I have in my Bible here. But we're going to be reading uh, in chapter 12, just so you guys know, you can turn to chapter 12. And this passage that we're about to read is the foundation for the message that I'm about to give you guys. It talks about the different parts of the body and how each part is vitally important. Um, and I think it's crucial to realize that though he's not actually talking about a physical body in this passage, he's trying to get us to see what the church should look like. And so this is uh, one of the, I, I would deem it one of the most important passages in the Bible when it comes to describing the church of Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. It says this, Just as one body, uh, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles. If you guys don't know what Gentiles means, that just means back then uh, there was Jewish people and non-Jewish people, and that was just a word that means non-Jewish people. So whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, <coughs> because I'm not an eye, I do not long belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. This is super important here. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now remember, we're not talking about a physical body here. We're talking about the body of Christ. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I think too often, um, not so much at New Life, maybe, maybe this is you, but I think too often we feel like the only important role in the church is the pastor. Um, but I think Jesus makes it clear that each of us is vitally important no matter what role we play. Whether you clean the toilets or hand out the donuts or put the words on the screen, or greet people as they walk into the doors, or teach a small group. We are all necessary and important in the body of Christ. I think that's why it's so crucial that we move from our identities as individuals to our identity as a part of the body of Christ. Because then, and only then, will you find out who you were truly called to be. And it's there that you're going to find your own identity. So in order to eventually get a clear image of who we are, we need to have a clear vision into who we are as a church. Because if we don't have a clear vision into who we are as a body, there's no way we're going to have a clear vision into who we are as individuals. And so, <coughs> uh, not, this, not just the general worldwide church, but specifically who we are as New Life Church. What makes us different? And uh, ushers, I'm going to ask for your help a couple times in the message here, but I'm going to ask you guys to hand out these. I'm going to keep one for myself here. But this is just a fancy-looking paper that has our nine core values of New Life Church. So if, if you call New Life Church your home church, if you're a part of the New Life body, then these nine core values should be the nine core values of of your individual life as well, because your identity as a part of the body of Christ is what should be driving your identity as an individual. 
And so I'll give uh, <coughs> the ushers just a couple more seconds to hand these out. Um, there's nine of them, just so you guys know. Uh, all of them are, are really, really great values. I love all of these. All right, I think we just have the two up front over here, and that's it. All right, thank you guys. And so let's go ahead and let's read through these nine values really quick. Um, we are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. We'll never insult God with small thinking and safe living. As I read these to you guys, I want you to evaluate yourself. Is this part of who you are in the deepest part of your DNA? We are all about the capital C church. The local church is the hope of the world, and we know we can accomplish infinitely more together than apart. We give up things we love for things we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching, we'll have to do things no one is doing. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. We truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is one of my favorites. We will laugh hard, loud, and often. Nothing is more fun than serving God with people you love. We always bring our best. Love is in the details. We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. And finally, we will honor Christ and his church with integrity. If we live with integrity, nothing else matters. If we don't live with integrity, nothing else matters. So we don't have time today to go, maybe we do have time, you know, because we have an hour, but I won't do that to you guys. We'll probably get out a little bit early. Everyone said, praise Jesus, amen. But we don't have time today to go deep into each value. So this morning, I just want to focus on one. I think this is very important, um, that when we view our spiritual walk, we don't view it as here I am and here's where I need to be, and I got to do this un, like Superman-type leap to get to the end goal. I believe Jesus wants us to take us one step at a time in our walk. Press forward one step at a time and ask yourself, am I better than I was? Am I closer to Jesus than I was? So that's why I want to just focus on one thing today, one singular value, and that value is this, that we give up things we love for things we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. Now, in writing... This value sounds amazing, right? This, like, makes you feel good about yourself when you think about this. It, but the difficult thing is it's tremendously hard to put into practice in your life because in order for you to pursue what you love more, you have to decide the things that you love more than others. So to help with this, we're all going to make a list this morning. Um, I believe uh, I have pens in the back. If you don't have a pen or something to write with, please raise your hand. We'll get you a pen. If you didn't get a note sheet this morning, uh, please raise your hand. We're going to pass out note sheets. Everyone needs a paper to write with and a pen to write with. I like being uh, involved in message. I think it's good that when we do something, when we're learning about something, um, not to mention that um, studies have proven that 
you you remember things much better when you write them down. Um, and so I think it's very important that we take notes. Anything that um, that hits you this morning that, that really strikes you as important, write it down so you don't forget it. It's, it's super important. So we're going to make a list. Everyone's going to make their own list. And uh, if you're sitting next to someone, we're just on the honor system. Just promise you're not going to look down at the other person's list, all right? Um, everyone has their own individual list. So everyone, you should have received a note sheet uh, on your way in this morning. If you didn't, uh, ushers, just make sure you get them to them. And uh, make sure you have a pen that you can write with. So on your note sheet, and this is going to take just a little bit of time, I want you to write down, not right now, but when I say go, I want you to write down 10 things that you love. Your top 10 priorities in life, the top 10 loves in your life. Uh, things like family, friends, school, church, God, video games, music, your job. For some reason, some of you guys are messed up in the head and working out is one of your favorite things to do in life. Whatever it is, um, you're going to write out your top 10 list. Now, here's the difficult thing. I don't want you to just make a list of 10 things. I want you to put them in priority order. So, like, number one is the top priority in your life, and 10 isn't, like, the bottom priority in your life. It's just the bottom of the top 10 of your top 10 priorities in your life. Um, so you might have to, it's going to take a little bit of time, but you might have to do it battle style. If you can't decide, you might have to take them two at a time. Be like, okay, I got this and this. Now, realistically in my life, which one of those is the higher priority? And you're going to have to figure out, and this is going to be difficult, your top ten priorities in order on there. Now, the most important thing, I want you to understand this, the most important thing is that you be honest with your priorities. This isn't a time to write out what you want your priorities to be or what you think they should be. I want you to write your priorities with what is real right now in this moment. Be honest with yourself. So we're going to take 10 minutes, one minute per item. That's what I thought would be good. We're going to take about 10 minutes to do this. And you don't have to share this list with anyone. I'm not going to make you come up on stage and share your list um, if you don't want to. But you're going to have 10 minutes to write out this list and make sure it's in priority order. Okay, you guys ready? 10 minutes starts now. There's going to be a countdown on the screen. We all done? We can cut this. We don't have to do the whole countdown. Cut the music. Get it out of here, Rob. What are you thinking? Everyone knows that if you're in a church, you have to give the sound guy a hard time because he's literally why there's all the issues, right? Anything goes wrong, look back at the sound guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, do I have permission to be blunt? Goodness. That's why you don't offend the sound guy right there. <laughs> From the deepest part of my heart, Rob. I am not sorry. I'm just kidding. Um, can I be blunt with you guys today? Um, no. Okay. Well, then, we got none of the rest of this message. So, all right, you guys are dismissed. <laughs> um, the Bible says to speak the truth in love. And I hope you guys, I have enough money in the bank with you guys this morning that you know I love you guys. Um, but I want to speak the truth to you guys. I just want to be blunt and, and get to the bottom of this. Um, if you look at your list, and I have my list in front of me too. And if you're honest with yourself, whether you were honest writing it down or not, but in your head, if you were honest with yourself, if God isn't number one on your list, then your list is wrong. 
If God isn't number one, then your list is wrong. Matthew 6, 33, the first part of that verse says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means that no matter what, God comes first. Whether it's difficult to say this, it's difficult to live this out in your life, but that means that he comes before your family. That means he comes before your kids. He comes before your friends. He comes before your passions. He comes before your job. God is first no matter what. That doesn't mean you don't love the other things. It doesn't mean you don't love your kids. But if you love your kid more than you love God, your priorities are in reverse order. So as you look at your list, I want, to see, I want you to see if any of your priorities are out of order. Or if you treat your priorities differently in real life than what you wrote down. Let's say, and some of the things I say today, I don't know. They might offend you. I, I don't know. Um, but I don't care also. That's, that's a lie. I care probably the minimum amount that a human should care. Um, but this is, I just want to speak the truth to you guys because I, I do love you guys. Um, so let's say that your child has the chance to play on one of the school sporting teams. But in order to be on the team, they have to practice every night, and their games are on Wednesday nights when, say, New Life Youth is happening. You have a choice to make as a parent, and maybe you give the option to your kids. I don't know if you do or not, but you have the option as a parent. Is your priority allowing your child to play the sport, or is it getting them to go to youth group? Now, if I can be honest, in my experience, too many times I've seen students uh, make the wrong choice. Not that there is, a, don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with playing a sport. I used to. I sat the bench, but that's another story, all right? But because of the misplaced priorities, these students missed out on God moving in a huge way in their life because they prioritized wrong. And here at New Life, one of our values is that we need to give up things we love for things that we love even more. Now, I have a pretty big regret from when I was younger. I think for a lot of people, that regret, regret would be things like maybe going to parties and drinking or smoking or uh, with their friends or sleeping with a boyfriend or girlfriend that they knew they shouldn't have. But thank God that part of my testimony is that I didn't have to deal with any of those things. I remember in middle school, they told me so many times... Uh, you know, you're going to get offered drugs all the time in high school. Just make sure you say no, just all the time, relentless. And I, uh, maybe I was not a popular kid, I don't know, but I was never offered drugs one time. Um, slightly offended by that, so any of my druggy friends from high school, I'm a little upset. I mean, I would have said no, but it would have been nice to at least been offered the opportunity. That's, just ignore what I just said. <laughs> but my regret from when I was younger is that I prioritized my friends and hanging out with them over my family. Um, almost every time I got the choice to either hang out with my friends or with my family, I chose my friends. Um, again, nothing, not that there's anything wrong with hanging out with your friends, right? It's not a bad thing. But when it became a higher priority in my life than being with my family, it became a big sin in my life that I didn't confront until, honestly, after I moved away from them down here to California. So instead of living by the statement, I will give up things I love for things I love even more, I was living by the statement, I, I give up things I love for things I shouldn't love more. 
Do you have something like that in your life? If you do, I, I urge you to not wait until you start living with regret, but to change it now. And there's a really powerful story about someone who, who struggled to give up things he loved for something he should have loved even more. And it's found in the book of Mark. So I want you guys to turn to the book of Mark in your Bible. <coughs> now, in this passage we're about to read, it's uh, Mark chapter 10, just so you guys know where to turn. In this passage we're about to read, we see uh, Jesus is, is walking with his disciples. And a great teaching moment comes in the form of a man. Now, this man who comes up to this group, to Jesus, this guy had it all. Um, think of him like the Jesus-era Bill Gates. He, he had everything that he wanted uh, or desired, you know. But he, he had just a, a really simple question for Jesus. But Jesus gave him an, gave him an answer that he, he didn't want to hear. And so I want to read about it in, in chapter 10 of, of the book of Mark, uh, verses 17 through 31. It says this, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Pretty simple question, right? What do I got to do? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. <coughs> the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. He just kind of throws that in at the end, right? And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. <laughs> you guys want to know what hit me as I was reading this story earlier? This guy didn't give up something he loved for something he loved even more. He gave up something he loved for something he loved even more. Why don't you let that sink in? Now, there is no doubt that this guy loved God because he made it a point to follow the law that was set forth by God for him to follow. He wanted to be a godly man. However, 
when he was given the option to give up his wealth, what he loved, in order to become closer to Jesus, what he should have loved more, he hung his head in sadness because he loved his money more than God. I think for pretty much all of us in this room, our problem isn't with giving up with money. You guys do an amazing job of breathing, bringing your tithes and your offerings to God here at New Life. But I think we all have something that is battling with our relationship with Jesus. So I want to read a paraphrased portion of that passage over again. But this time, I'm going to be silent where it says stuff about money. And in your head, I want you to place what it is you struggle with in that spot. So go ahead and close your eyes. Let's try this. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. A woman came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not (coughs) testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Looking at the woman, Jesus felt genuine love for her. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and give away the time you normally blank, and instead use that time to blank, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. You can open your eyes. See, we might not have the problem of being rich like this guy, but we all have something that we struggle with uh, to give up in order to make God the number one priority in our lives. And sometimes it's the really small things that we never even considered to be taking a higher priority than our Christian walk. Sometimes we even put too much time to things that aren't even necessarily bad, but they take our attention away from the things that truly matter. Now, once again, Jesus was part of a story like this. So I want you guys now to turn to the book of Luke in your Bible. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. (coughs) Now, this, uh, this story we're about to read, this is about two ladies who were very close to Jesus, both of them. And they both spent a lot of time with Jesus when he was here on the earth. So I want to read to you guys Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. And it says this, As Jesus and the disciples continue on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, spending time getting a house in order for for a guest is not a bad thing, right? It's not a sin. But Martha had forgotten why she was doing what she was doing. 
She was too worried about the details when, when the reason for the dinner itself was being ignored. She, she forgot to give up what she loved to do, which was take care of the home, for something that she loved even more, which was Jesus. So my question to you is this. What is it in your life that you love that you need to spend less time at so that you can focus on the things that Jesus really wants you to spend your time on. Now, some people tell me that their lives are just too busy, that they forget to read their Bible because work has just been so demanding. You know, I haven't prayed very much recently because I can never seem to find a free moment. Now, if these are things that you've said before, then if I can be blunt, it's time for a priority shift in your life. And so for these last few minutes of the gathering, uh, as the worship team is going to sing one more song, I want you to look at the list that you created. If you put it away, I want you to pull it back out. I want you to look at the list you created earlier, and I want you to pray about your list. I want you to ask God if there is something on this list that is taking up his top spot in your life. And... Uh, I know it can feel uncomfortable in a room this size with this few people, but I believe that God wants you to take a step. That when you ask God if there's something in your life that's taking up his top spot, if you feel like, when, not if, but when you feel like you have a clear leading from God on what it is, I want you to bring that list up to the altar, up to this spot in front of the stage. Now there's nothing special or extra holy about this spot in the front of the room. But it means that you're gonna to have to take a step of uncomfortability with the way your life has usually been, and you're gonna to have to make a change. It signifies to God that you are ready to change something in your life for Him. And so when you feel like you have a clear leading from God on what it is in your life, it's different for everyone in this room, I want you to bring your list up to the front. I want you to take what is broken to the altar before God and he will remain faithful to you once again to give you a new life. So remember, if new life is, is where you call home, then we give up things that we love for things that we love even more because it's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. So as the worship team begins to sing and you guys can sing as well if you feel led to, I want you to go ahead, take your time we're in no rush. Pray over your list. And whatever God brings to the light, I want you to bring it up to the altar. And I want you to begin to give it away to him. All right? Let's pray and let's worship.
I wasn't uh, I wasn't planning on this, but I want to read one more story to you guys. Jesus has so many good stories in this Bible. If you haven't been reading your Bible, you are missing out. There's the best book on this planet. It's found in Luke chapter 15. It's at the very beginning. You've probably heard the story before. The song talked about it. So I just want to read the first seven verses. It says this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now to stop right there, you might be wondering why tax collectors are always thrown in there as a bad thing. Tax collectors were at the very bottom of the social ladder back then because they were Jewish people who took money from Jewish people to give to the Roman people. And so their Jewish brothers and sisters saw these tax collectors as rebels because they were stealing from their own people to give to the people who were ruling over them. People hated tax collectors back then. Not to the point, but I think it's kind of cool that Jesus chose a tax collector as one of his 12 disciples. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together all his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You want to know what Jesus' priorities are? He doesn't have a top 10 list. He has a top one list. And that one thing is you. I've been reading online about this song that we sang. There's a lot of people who don't like this song because it talks about reckless. And I listened to uh, the, the guy who wrote this song talk about it. And the point of this song is that we're not calling God reckless because he's not. God isn't a reckless God. He knows what he's doing. But in our human eyes, isn't the love of God kind of reckless? Jesus talks about, wouldn't you leave the 99 to go find the one lost sheep? In my eyes, that's counterintuitive because then you might lose the 99 sheep when you just had one that was lost. But God's love is so reckless. He is so utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions, of his love for you, that even against all human logic, he is going to go after you even if that means he loses the 99 because his one priority is you. And he just asks that your top priority be him as well. 
So this morning, I don't know what it is that is taking the top place in your life. You might think it's a big sin. You might feel like it's a little sin. But in the eyes of God, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Whether it's big or whether it's little, it's taking God's top spot in your life. And if you keep living that way, you're going to reap what you sow. It's not a threat. It's a rule that God put in the Bible that can't be broken. If you want to have peace in your life, if you feel like there is no possible way you can have peace in your life because of what's going on, I'm here to tell you that the peace of God surpasses all your understanding. It doesn't make sense. The love of God doesn't make sense. The grace of God doesn't make sense. This week as I was writing this message, a person came to my mind. My parents have <coughs> driven people to church who can't, who can't drive themselves so that these people can go to church every single week. It's their ministry. And there's this one guy named Edward who is a top-level sex offender. And in our world, we would view this man as a disgusting, lowest piece of scum of this earth for what he's done. But to God, he's the one. And God is not going to stop pursuing that man. It doesn't matter what you've done. God will not stop pursuing you. He loves you. Whether you love him or not. Whether you choose to reject Jesus and slap him in the face, he's still going to come back to you every single time. The Bible says that we need to forgive 70 times 7. That's a lot of times, right? I'm not good at math, but you guys can probably figure out that number. How many of you guys know that we've probably all <laughs> done something against God at least that many times? And he still keeps coming back. No matter how much we hurt him, no matter how many times we hurt him, no matter how big we think we've hurt him, he will always go after the one, and that's you. So don't let what you learned this morning, what God brought to the light in your life on your list, don't let it just be a one-time thing this morning that you found it out, you've decided to, to do something about it this morning, then you get home, you walk away from church, and the, the emotions that are brought up when you're in this room leave, the real world comes back, and you forget to pursue what should be the top priority in your life. You have to choose to take steps towards Jesus. He is always coming towards you. But like, like any good kiss in any good romantic movie, the guy always has to go 90% of the way, and the other person always has to go the other 10%, right? If you go the full 100%, that's just creepy, right? God is so close to you, and he will never leave you, but you have to choose to take that step to get closer to him. So do it this morning. Whatever it is, there is no mountain too big that God will not help you overcome it. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for meeting us here this morning in this room. God, we thank you so much that you love us so much to not let us stay the same, to not let us stay lost out in the woods, God. But you have pursued us 
with reckless abandon, not caring what the consequences are, not caring how much you get hurt because you love us, because your one and only priority is that we would spend the rest of our eternal lives with you, Father. So this morning, I, I pray for everyone in this room, whether, whether we've been Christians our whole lives and we've been saved our whole lives, would you give us a renewed passion for you this morning, God? God, whether we have been backsliding in our faith, God, and this morning we've made a decision to come back to you, God, would you hold us close? Would you not let us go, God? Would When we go to the real world outside these walls, would we not be afraid? Would we not be torn down and brought back to our old ways? But would we have a new life in Jesus and would we stand firm in it? And God, if there's anyone in this room who has been searching for meaning in their life, who hasn't maybe known Jesus until today, but you're ready to decide this morning to follow Jesus with your life. God, I pray that you would keep them strong because this week there will be spiritual attack in their life. So God, help them stand strong against Satan. Would you help defend them, God, like you did Job? God, that no matter what's going on in their life, that they would find peace in your name. God, we thank you for always pursuing us, for never giving up on us, no matter how much we... We run away from you. Thank you for loving us, God. Would you help us to love others in the exact same way that you love us? Those people, we might, we might not outwardly look down on them, but inwardly we know we do. God, would you help us have a right heart? Would you help us mend broken relationships in our life? God, would you help us not be concerned with the consequences of choosing to love another human being. Would we not care if we get rejected? But would we go out into this world, this dark, dark world, and God, would you allow us to be a shining light of love? We thank you for counting us as worthy of this mission that you had planned for us even before we were born. We thank you for counting us as worthy of that. We don't take it lightly. Jesus, be with everyone in this room, even as we leave the church's walls. Help us to live for you outside of Sundays and Wednesdays. Be our top priority in literally everything we do. In Jesus' name. bless you guys. I know I'm not Pastor Troy, but I think I have his blessing memorized. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift his countenance upon you. May he give you rest. And may he give you peace. God bless you, new lifers. You guys are dismissed. Have a good week.